Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk, in futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self and that which is being corrupted in accordance to the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Father, what an amazing text. So, Father, I ask, in my simpleness, I have no way of articulating this, but I ask that you would teach each of us so we would understand how profound this is and yet the mandate that is there. Help us, Lord, to hear you, your spirit, the authority of your word. And as Paul has already begged us and implored us, that we each walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called. To you, my King. Amen. I stepped into this text last week with a uh, semi-thorny topic. The topic was salvation. I made a statement yesterday in our time of prayer that caught a few off guard. And it said, you would be surprised how many people in this congregation I pray for their salvation. Okay? Because as I look at salvation biblically, then I have to ask myself a question. Are they? I have been told by the writer of Hebrews that I am to give an account for those who have been entrusted to me. One of the things that I have learned as a pastor is it's really hard to lead people who ain't saved. It's an interesting concept. I know a lot of people who are trying it. What I'm looking at here is the Apostle Paul who has already given us what our position is. Now what is our practice? And does it line up with our position? Okay. Basically, your position is who you are. We throw these terms out all the time. I'm born again. Okay, well, what does that mean? And I shared with you last week that you are a new creation if you are saved. Now, please understand what I'm saying. God did not add something to you. You are a new creation. And I went through numerous verses that prove that biblically. 
in light of being a new creation, does it match my practice? Okay? And it's difficult. One of the things that I have run into, some of you know my background, where I came from, what I went through, who the old me was. There's nobody in this building. Uh, Ed Young was the only person who ever knew me as I used to be. Okay? Now, people will listen and they will hear me make remarks about it and they will, oh my God, that's, that's, that's terrible. I can't believe it. You know what? So is every one of you. You and you, you and your piousness will tell me my sin was worse than yours. Really? I had a lady tell me that once. By his stripes, I have been healed, but he had to die for you. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but uh, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. Okay? And so when we look at some people and we think, oh, 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 that one there's a, uh, 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 sin is sin. And what I've learned is, I heard a saying, uh, it'll show up in our bulletins one of these days, and it says, God's mercy to a sinner makes him proud, but to a saint, it makes him humble. Okay? Ask yourself a simple question. Are you humble? Okay, because I got news for you. You're either humble or preparing to be. All right? If you look there at verse 17, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord, you walk no longer just as the Gentiles. What he's telling us is, and basically it is to the end of this book, is how to get rid of that old, rotten, smelly self. Because when I say you're a new creation, I mean what I said. That's what the scripture teaches. You have been raised to walk in the newness of life. You have a new life. That's a believer. That's a true believer. Old things have passed away. Okay? I've shared with you this story before that Dr. MacArthur told me. He had a friend who was a billionaire, multi-billionaire. Okay? I mean, he had the private jets and houses and this, that, and the other, and they played golf together. And one time playing golf, he asked John, do you pray for my salvation? Of course, John said, well, yeah, sure. He says, well, you're wasting your time. And he said, the reason is, I like what I have. I don't want to give this up to be saved. John looked at him and says, you don't give it up. When you come to salvation, the price tags change. What used to be important to you before salvation 
is no longer important to you. Ask yourself a question. Is that true? Is that true? Because this new creation is carrying around the old clothes, the old suit. And that old suit is smelly. That old suit is rotten. And yet it is covering the new man. We understand, because of our study of the first three chapters, what this new man is. It is the child of the Most High God. It's created in the image of Jesus Christ. It is a new creation. It is a new being. No one... We have learned how the new man lives. That's the last three chapters. That's what we're going to deal with now until the end of this book. How do I get rid of this old stinky coat? How do I get rid of it? How do I, as Paul says in chapter 4, verse 1, walk worthy? I have this new inner man, this whole new inner man. If you read your text there, it says, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. It's not being created. It is created. This new nature that is involved in what we've looked at in chapters 1 to 3 is our position. We are looking now at our practice. How do I live in light of who I am now? This new nature, these new clothes, this new man, this new creation. See, what you're seeing in the world today in the name of Christianity is not biblical. Okay, And if you understand that our adversary is the father of lies, then he has managed quite successfully to corrupt the church into a false believism. The book of Romans, I'll go back. We did this more in depth last week, but I'll touch on it today. In chapter 6, speaking of being baptized in Christ, chapter 6, verse 13 makes this statement. We do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Why? Verse 7 says, For he who has died is freed from sin. You ever guys been around a corpse? Do you know how hard it is to make a corpse sin? Do you know what it would take to make a corpse angry? To use profanity? How do you get a corpse to steal? How do you get a corpse to covet? How does a corpse exercise greed? 
And he says here, and you know, I watch people do theological gymnastics with this text. And this text is very straightforward. It's not complicated. It may hurt your feelings. But he says, if we've been raised with him, how do we keep going back to the old stinky dead man? And you know what? Isn't that what your battle is? You know, I had a guy ask me one time, what is the Christian life like? And this was back in my smart aleck days yesterday. I said, uh, Christian life's easy. He says, really? And I said, yeah, all it is is a bunch of therefores. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, it's just a bunch of therefores. Okay, in light of this, therefore, there are a lot of them in Scripture. If you drop over to verse 1 of chapter 4, what does it say? Therefore, what does it come out of? That amazing prayer that the fullness of God would be in each and every one of you. Because of that, therefore. Drop down to verse 25 of chapter 4. What does it say? Therefore. How does chapter 5 start? Okay, so you see, you're going to be running into this for the next three chapters. Because of this, therefore. That is the Christian life. It's a bunch of therefores. Every once in a while, depending on your translation, you might get a wherefore. But in the original text, they're all the same. Because of our position, this is our practice. Because of my position, therefore. Okay? Why do you run into these? Because your position demands a response. Because of who you are in Christ, it demands you make in some cases, a change. And I can give you a whole bunch of them just right off the bat. You ever lose your temper? Why? If my position is a child of God, why would I lose my temper? You ever yell at somebody? When did Jesus yell? I know nobody's ever worried Because God don't worry. See what therefore does to you? It's just a pain, ain't it? Makes you want to get back in the grave. Because if I'm in the grave, I can't sin. We have been given a new identity in Christ. Therefore, behave like it. That's what Paul's telling you and me today. Show me your new identity. I have my identity badge right here. 
I am a child of the Most High God, especially when I'm yelling. I shared with you that it starts off with theology and then the theology has feet to it. Remember what he said in verse 13? Have the unity of the faith and the what? Knowledge of the Son of God. Remember what I told you? That knowledge is not Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, or uh, that great football verse, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Okay, that's not the knowledge that is being spoken of here. The knowledge is the unity of the faith. The knowledge is that of the mature man, the fullness of Christ, no longer a child, speaking the truth in love, knowing that Christ is the head. That knowledge... That knowledge, it continues to go on in verse 17. So I say then, don't walk like the Gentiles walk. Started this section off basically 4 to 6, chapter 4 to 6. He says, I, a prisoner of the Lord, I implore you, I beseech you, I beg you, walk worthy. And this is what walking worthy looks like, chapter 4, 5, and 6. Worthy of what? What I've been called. I've been called to a new nature. I've been called to a new man. I am a new creation. I am holy and righteous. When God in heaven looks down upon us, do you know what he sees? Christ. Okay? But some of us, Go back to the grave and dig up our old, dirty, rotten, smelly coats and put them on. My position is who I am. Therefore, I walk worthy of who I am. Now, if you drop down now to verse 17, so this I say. See what he did? He just showed you what the unity of the body of Christ looks like. Because of this new creation. And then in verse 17, he says, So this I say. But it's also affirmed by the Lord. That you no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. Not as the Gentiles walk. So the first thing you can see about this new creation It's a different walk. It is a completely different walk. We are to live different than the world lives. Okay? Remember verse 1. We have unity. We also have spiritual maturity. We have growth in the church. This group, this body, this believer function as one unit. The head of the unit is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he gets specific. He's showing you what the collectiveness of the church was in 1 to 16. Now he's saying, believers, you who are in the church... Here's what you are to do. 
No problem, huh? What are you supposed to do? Don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Uh, Therefore, you see, in verse 1, picks up the first 16 verses because that's what you are. You are to walk in humility. God has asked for meekness. God has asked for lowliness. Because of the truth, we are one in every way, if we are believers. You ever had a disagreement with a believer? No? You guys are good. Do you know when you have a disagreement with believers whose fault it is? Yours. Why? Because humility, you realize that if God don't change him, you ain't. My meekness says, so be it. You ever tried that? Or do you just keep poking it? If I keep poking the bear, I'm sure at some point the bear's going to bite me on the butt. And you've accomplished what? You have shown the world that the church is just like the world. Because of the truth, we are one in every way. Because the Lord has gifted every true believer uniquely. As members of His body, He has given us to the church. And the principle of maturity has been given so that we may grow and edify one another, speaking the truth in love. Because of all of this, you are not to walk as the Gentiles walk. God has created this new creation, this brand new creation, and He's placed it in the world. I was going back through some of my historical teachings of different churches. And the fact that he put a church in Ephesus, and the fact that he put a church in Laodicea, and the fact that he put a church in Corinth and Thessalonica, and these places are pits. Okay, These places make Las Vegas look conservative. All right? And yet he put them there. Because it's a new creation. And it's miraculously unique. It's not like anything else ever. Nor will it be like anything else. It has a, it's a unique creation, but it has a unique lifestyle of humility. Should. It has a unique unity that is miraculous. It has a unique empowerment by gifts and gifted men. It has a unique destiny. It is being edified and loved because it is God's miraculous creation. That's the church. Remember when he made creation? Genesis? On this day, he created the stars, and it was good. This day, he made the fish, and it was good. He made the animals, and it was good. 
On the sixth day, what did he make? Man. What did he say then? It is very good. What does he say about the church? See how he takes the whole of Scripture and says, look, this is what I do. The church. Different destiny. Edified, loved. It's a miraculous creation. It's gifted. It's got gifted men in it. It's unique in its unity and empowerment. It's humility. It's lowliness, meekness. Therefore, that's how you are to walk. Each and every one of us. See the totality of what the church is supposed to be? You as an individual are to behave in this manner. And when you do, then the unity of the body comes together and the world says, how in the world do you do that? So that was the general in that first 16 verses. Now he starts dealing through the rest of it with specifics. You, each and every one of you, who is truly saved are a part of this church. I know the gifted men are to do what they are to do. What was that? Perfect the saints. For what? The work of ministry. I know that each and every one of you who is truly saved have gifts. I know this unity, this oneness, is maintained through humility and meekness. So how do I work this out in my daily life? How do I live in this world this manner? Principle number one, we're already touched on. Don't walk like the rest of the world. No problem. Right? No problem. Okay? I'll give you another therefore. Romans chapter 12 starts off with therefore. And he's summarizing what he's given 11 chapters on. Okay? But the verse I want to look at is verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Stop right there. Okay? The word conformed there literally means to be pressed into a mold. Okay? You take a mold of something and you press it into it and that what you pressed into it is conformed to the shape of the mold whatever it is okay he says do not be pressed into the world's mold all right cool that means you have a different life sure how do i keep from being pressed into the world's mold 
Any ideas? I would read on. But be transformed. How? By renewing your mind. Garbage in, garbage out. Right? But if I put his holy book in, what happens? Keeps me out of the mold. And I don't mean mold like a fungus. Keeps me from looking like the world. I'm in the process of trying to get some legal paperwork together. It's turned into a great, wonderful adventure. <laughs> I'm getting notaries and all this other weird stuff. And of course, it's, you know, I'm dealing with on the county level and on the state level, and I'm going back and forth and back and forth. And then people there, that takes a special breed of person to work in them places. Because it's, it's almost like that they have to go to school somewhere to learn to be slow. Okay. Well, I remember the first time I went to the Elbert County, uh, license and title place and I walked in there and I look up and they're waiting on 510 I pull my number it's 525 and I'm sitting there wow so I sit down I'm just in there do 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 and I'm thinking I'm in the wrong place or something here but anyway I finally got there and they basically said we can't do anything for you and you're like well hallelujah okay so you got to take it back to Douglas County Oh, well, I love Douglas County because they're really efficient. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so I've been dealing with this, and it dawned on me, I never got mad about it. And I thought, well, that was stupid. I should have been highly. But, and I wasn't. And so I just process it through and do this and do that and all the rest of it. And, of course, somewhere in here they're going to ask me for money. Okay, now that, that may change at that point, but uh, but but you know, there I, you just keep going through all of this stuff, and I keep thinking this is what the world is. I'm not going to be forced into that mold. Okay, we have a different life. We are a unique group of people. Some of the places you'll see that speaks of God's elect. The original phrase is peculiar. We are peculiar people. And I thought so because I was waiting to get, trying to get a title and, uh, I didn't have a walker or a cane. So I'm a peculiar person here. Listen, brothers and sisters, the greatest entity that exists on the planet Earth right now is the body of Christ Jesus. The church. And if you are truly His, you have been given the privilege of being in it, placed in it. See, I can look at the world and I know it is proud and believers are humble. I can look at the world and know that it is fragmented and I know that the church is united. I can look at the world and all of its boasting, it is weak. And I know that 
the church is gifted. I can look at the world and know that it is hateful. And I know that the church is full of love. I can look at the world and I know emphatically that it does have a clue what truth is. And yet the church does. Because of all of these things, because of all of this uniqueness that we are, that is how we walk different than the world. I remember a kid one time looked at me and he says, I've got this Christianity thing. He says, it's a battle. But he says, I'm supposed to walk 360 degrees opposite of the world. And I sat there for a second and thought, what? (laughs) Doesn't that make you dizzy? (laughs) And I said, well, I think you're about 180 degrees out of phase. Oh, yeah, that's right. right, We're on track now. We should be 180 degrees off the world, opposite. Okay? You know, if you watch the news, if, if, you, if you were at somebody else's house, you'd throw something at somebody else's TV, but you won't do it at yours. Because if you watch it, it is... Okay? But you know what I've learned is? I, I sit back at times and I chuckle at it, because it shows the foolishness of humanity. I just sit there and go, man. You know, and then, you know, then I start feeling sorry for sheep because we're always compared to sheep. And I thought, sheep ain't that stupid. I've been around sheep. They, they ain't no way sheep gonna fall into that. I don't want your people. And I don't care what party it is. I don't care who, who you're talking about. I watch the news and they're having a civil war in Baghdad. What? You guys haven't had enough yet. So let's do it again. But I just look around and I think, man, this is. But you know what I've learned is the world wants to drag you into it. They want to upset you over it. And they want to drag you in and get you discouraged. I got news for you. <laughs> My citizenship ain't here. Okay? So why would I let these foolish citizens ruin my day? I don't let them. I just chuckle at them. Think, Yahoo! <laughs> Every once in a while I get that idea that creeps in and says, that's my tax dollars right there. <laughs> but I let that one go too because uh, that dollar ain't going to do me a bit of getting the pearly gates. Okay? So you see what I'm trying to get at? We are different than the world. You look at what upsets the Gentiles, the pagans, the heathens. Look what upsets them. I see the guy is set, suing... 41 companies who made vanilla ice cream because it's not real vanilla. And he's suing them for $5 million each. And all I can think was, chocolate, he's coming for you. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, you're going to sue ice cream? But that's what the world is. 
The world is proud. It's fragmented. It's weak. It's hateful. It hasn't got a clue what truth is. But we are humble, united, gifted, full of love. And we love truth. See, I'm going to help you here for a second. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care if it's big. I don't care small. I don't care if it's insignificant. It's still yours. You love it and you think you need to deal with it. But I'm going to ask you a question. Are you looking for the glorious goals of Christ through everything? Ah, I said everything. Whether you're having health issues, job issues, relationship issues, employee issues, are you looking for the glorious goals of the Lord Jesus Christ in everything? Because I got news for you, when you are, Everybody knows it. When you're not, that means you are trying to do it the way the world lives. When you are looking for your goals, your achievements, your attaboys, whatever it is you want, you're doing what the world says. And I can guarantee you, if you're living like that, you're not spending a lot of time in Scripture. You ever heard this? Well, I prayed. Uh, Did you get the answer? Well, not yet. Did you read your Bible? No. Well, you ain't going to get the answer. He's not going to send you an email. I read the Word so I know how to pray. I pray so I know how to read the Word. That's where I get my answers. You know, people say, well, I just don't know what God's will is. Go look it up. It's that part in the Bible that says, this is the will of God. It's that one. And they're all over the place. Okay? But see, we want to pray for something and hope it's the will of God. And you know what? I can spot those people a mile away. Well, I pray without ceasing. How about reading? Do you read without ceasing? Do you know that the Bible was written for an eighth grade education? That's why I feel so smart. But anymore, you can get it. It'll sit and talk to you. I still don't know what that's all about. That scares me. Okay? You know, I see people that get it on their phone. I got it on my phone. Wow. Alexander Graham Bell would be impressed. I've got a piece of microfiche that's about that big. I don't know how I'd ever read it, but it's about like that. It's about like that. My dad got, it's the entire 66 books of the Bible. But you talk about something that make you squint. You know, I was thinking about this. How easily we are pushed into the world's mold. Okay. 
And I thought about it. I, you know, you ponder it sometimes. You just sit there and let it uh, rattle around in your head. Theologically, they call that meditating. In my life, it's rattling around in my head. Do you realize that living as the world would be imitating the dead? World's dead, blind, naked, and depraved. And if I live like them, then how, what am I imitating? I was thinking about it. It's funny because I grew up with actual racial divides. I remember it well. Water hoses and dog attacks. I remember a very dear friend of mine was the first black man in, a, in the fire department in the state of Ohio. And uh, everybody was furious and they hired Hanafi Muslims to guard him. And you had these Muslims walking around with machine guns. This was in the 70s. Okay, I mean, I mean, it, I know what racial is. I remember a friend of mine, uh, him, he was a boilermaker, a welder, and he, uh, was in Alabama or Mississippi, Georgia, somewhere in there, and they were working on a boiler, and they were living in a hotel, was gonna be in a hotel for about six months. And, uh, his wife was going nuts, stirring nuts. I mean, sit there to, do, 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 you know, he can only watch so much as the world turns. And so she went down and asked him, she said, can I get a job at a hotel cleaning, you know, when people come in and out and I'll clean up the room? She says, you can't clean. Why? You're white. Listen, I know what racial division is. Okay, what we got right now isn't, but it sounds, it's easy to spell. Okay. Do you know there's three races in the world? Do you know that? Jews, Gentiles, Christians. That's it. It's amazing if you think about it. When I think that we are a new creation, I think you had two races and God created a third not like had ever been before. We are, I shared this last week, we are a new seed. We are a spiritual seed. We are incorruptible. Our lifestyle should fit that. New creation. Do you realize that we are ready? If you're truly saved today, do you realize that you right now are ready for an eternal existence? Right now. That's amazing when you think about it. 24, verse 24 of chapter 4 says, You are holy and righteous. You are new creation. Creation of Jesus Christ. Our inner nature. It's holy and righteous. So I have a question. <laughs> Why would I hang on to the old smelly, rotten, stinky clothes? Why would I hang on to that? Why would that be dear to me? Listen, I talked with you last week. If you don't, you can go back and download it or offload it or whatever you got to do with it and go listen to it. I know it's comfortable. 
It's like those one pair of sweatpants that I had a pair of sweatpants and I was wearing. I was like, these things are drafty. And I took them off and it didn't have no rear end in it. I was like, wow, that's so, that's like, I don't know, maybe need a great big patch or something. But they are seriously comfortable. But I guess they're seriously comfortable in the summer. <laughs> But I, I thought about that and I thought, man, we as Christians, we are a new creation. We are heaven bound. We are holy and righteous. We, they, you realize that in our holiness is so pure that I can actually enter into the throne room of God, creator of everything. We read about it this morning, how Moses went up there and freaked everybody out when he came down. Do you know what? You can go in there right now, any given minute of all day, every day and say, Father, Struggling with this. That's how holy you are. You know, he cannot look on sin. Did you know that? He can't look on sin. And yet you who are truly saved can walk into his throne room and cry your arms or praise him or whatever you want to do. The tragedy that exists that I see, that I deal with, is that instead of the church conforming the world to Christ, the world is pressing us into its mold. We look just like it. I was asked by somebody a couple of weeks ago. That's been longer than that. He says, uh, I got to ask you a personal question. I said, what's that? And he said, because he, he knows about our missions and all the rest of it. He says, how much do they give you for a vehicle allowance? I said, what? And I said, uh, I don't need a vehicle allowance. Well, church ought to give you a vehicle allowance. Why do you say that? But I remember a guy, we were in Houston, and the guy told me, he says he had had a church in Houston. uh, And he said, uh, I, I come here because... I did pay my dues in Colorado because that's so hard. And he says, and you come down here and you start making real money. And he said, when I first got here, you know, I got to, to, to Texas. He said, it's pretty cool. He says, because you knew you had arrived when you got your Cadillac. He says, but things have changed. The oil has gone up and everything else. He says, Cadillac doesn't cut it. He says, you arrived if you got a Bentley. And I sat there for a second. And I thought, he's pulling my leg. Okay, and then we started traveling around. You know what? <laughs> He's right. <laughs> I see these Bentleys and I think, you know, that's a CEO of an oil company. And no, that's the pastor of that church down there in the corner. And I'm like, wow. Okay, but what just is wrong with that picture? Whose mold are you in? Although I did see a 70 Cuda that was blown that I thought would, yeah. Nah. That's a pastor who's arrived. Because <laughs> I could get into trouble and get out of trouble just as fast. But you see what I'm trying to get at? It's so easy for this world to seduce us into its mold. But if I renew my mind, did you read the rest of it? Daily. You know what that means? 
daily. <laughs> Why? Take a break and see what happens. I know what happens. I remember one morning I took off without praying, and I I got down over the hill, turned right, stood up, and a little stupid deer run right into me, knocked both headlights out. Then it looked over at me, stuck its tongue off, and left, went over to the creek. I just looked up to heaven and said, Okay, I'll go home and pray. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? It is so easy to be in the world's mold. And the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, so I'm going to close with this thought. You don't have to answer. What are you being molded into? Okay. What are you being molded into? All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. Father, I thank you that therefore we should remove the old and hang on with the new. Father, uh, clothe us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ in such a way that we radiate the glory of our Savior for God, our King. Father, we may understand deeply. The old self is the walk of the Gentiles. We do not come to Christ in that manner. Thank you, Father. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for your precious bride, your church. Thank you for the unity of the faith and the deepening knowledge of the Son of God. Help us, Lord, to walk with you. In Christ's name, amen.